Hey everybody, welcome back. Hey, the the title of this episode is not misleading in any way. I bring on uh, a guest today, Caleb Williams. He is a CEO of a company called Better Wealth. Just a, an amazing uh, person. He's one of my best friends in the entire planet and an incredible financial mind. And we walk through, literally we get through seven different frameworks in this episode on how to uh, get clarity on what you want, how to begin generating more cash flow, what to do with that cash flow. So this is not just you know how to make money or how to just how to make and build and create wealth. It's also how to sustain that wealth. And so wherever you're at in your financial journey, in your money-making journey, in your investing journey, I'm telling you, there are some incredible gold nuggets. This is one of those episodes that you will absolutely want to come back to, that you'll probably want to listen to now and then come back and take notes on. And so really, really excited to, to launch this episode. Uh, if you enjoy this, go check out Caleb and what he's doing at betterwealth.com. Hope you enjoy the show. Cheers. Welcome everyone to the Kingdom REI podcast. Literally, I have one of my best friends on the show today who is also a financial genius. Uh, he's helped um, so many folks really become financially free and as well as just get their money right. And so today we're going to talk about how to get wealthy, how to become wealthy and how, and not just how to become wealthy, but how to sustain wealth. And I'm really excited about this episode today. And I'm so grateful to have on my guest, Caleb Williams with me. What's up, my man? Dude, it is, it's a pleasure being here. You said my last name perfectly. I know you, I know you second guessed yourself right at the very no, end. No, I didn't I actually. I voice, feel like I'm getting confident enough. No, you, actually, I said, I, I said, wait, actually, does it have an S on it? Because I know how many times I've said it wrong. I'm like, oh man, I think I crushed it this time, but it doesn't have an S. So I'm glad. Let's go. I, I appreciate you so much. And I, I think this is I, anyone that knows you knows that you're like a walking hype man and you are full of life. And um, I'm just excited to be here. My energy is already up because of how you show up, dude. So um, everyone that's listening or watching, um, I hope that this, this is extremely valuable and life-giving. Guys, it will be extremely valuable. This is going to be more like a masterclass today than probably an interview. And so I just would say wherever you're listening to this, turn the volume up. If you can take notes, do that. If not, you'll probably want to come back to this episode and take notes, listen to it first, then come back and listen to it again. Um, and I know we only have till the top of the hour, so we're going to jump in here. But uh, let me just pray for us. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for Caleb. Thank you for saving his life. Thank you for just his mind and the way that that he wants to redeem finances. And he wants to, that he's not scared of money. Thank, thank you for that. Thank you that you've given him a new mindset around money and just how much freedom that can bring to us today. God, would you renew our minds today? Would you renew our minds about money and finances? God, set us on a path to, to greater financial opportunity and margin uh, for your name's sake, God, to see the kingdom flourish. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Caleb, if folks want to hear your story, we've we've done an episode before, and so I'm just going to ask you to quickly, you know, just summarize that, um, yep. and so we can kind of get into these seven frameworks today. Just tell folks yep. a little bit, kind of who you are today, and, what, and really what you're doing at Better Wealth. Yep, from Wisconsin, worked at a bank when I was 17, took over a bank's investment department when I was 19 years old. Uh, learned a ton about money at 21. I left the bank to start Better Wealth, and you know, six years later, believe it or not, Better Wealth serves clients in all 50 states. We have coaches in all time zones. We use the power of the internet to not just educate, but but to coach and serve clients. We have an insurance arm where we do overfunded life insurance for set up for people. That's what we're best known for. We have a tax company where we do tax planning and bookkeeping for entrepreneurs. Uh, we have an RAA where we can do managed assets for people that have stock market-based investments that want um, someone to manage that. And then we have a coaching business. And what, how we talk about the coaching business is it's like a, a virtual family office for six and seven figure entrepreneurs. So there's a lot of amazing entrepreneurs that are that that there's a lot of amazing people that are helping the super wealthy seven plus eight figure. And I just think there's a huge need for the entrepreneur that's making good money, but it's not keeping it well. So those are kind of where we're our, where, where we are today. And um, I, I'm grateful because I get to talk to people like you about frameworks and mindsets and hacks to save more and keep more by the way guys if you want to hear caleb's original episode we talked on may the 18th 2020 back when the show was called the kingdom capitalist show how to invest like you were your number one asset so i would encourage you to go back and listen to that episode as well really really great episode hear more of um caleb's story and uh how he got to where he is at the young age that he's at 
And so um, you got you got to go way back to find that episode, uh, May 18, 2020. So, Caleb, let's actually teach people, men how to get wealthy today, and and if they are wealthy, how to sustain that wealth. And so, uh, you know, one one of the big parts about my story, man, you know, and I know one of your first part is clarity for you, you know, and for me it was, and I don't know how much money mindset goes into clarity here, but big part for me, man, was the money baggage I came in. Talk, talk me through this first framework of clarity. I think, I think the first, first thing is we needed to find wealth. And I think that's what you're alluding to is like, what is your definition of wealth? And uh, a lot, a lot of times people think when you're just thinking about money. And I think the reason why there's such a disconnect is like, when you think of money, it's very, it's not warm. They're like, literally the Bible says the love of money. And so it's like, a lot of times it's like this, like, we don't like what this whole wealth is the kind of like a dirty word. And so we just get clear about what your definition is. Our definition of wealth is living intentionally. And so you can break down wealth into five concepts. And I would encourage you to write these down because in each one of those, make your own definition. So wealth is how you use your time. Wealth is your health. Wealth is the sum total of your relationships. Wealth is um, how you use your resources and wealth is how you use your skill sets. So yes, resources have a, a lot to do with money and what you have. But like if you're not u- using your God-given skill sets, you don't feel wealthy. If you're on your deathbed, you don't feel wealthy. If you if you have toxic relationships, you don't feel wealthy. And so one of the things is, is if we can get really clear, and that's why we've in that's why we've boiled it down to intentional living. If we can get what what we call intentional living metric. What is that intentional life? We actually encourage people to make that the metric that they reverse engineer how they spend their time, their money, how they make investment choices based around the thing that you actually want. Essentially, like what, like would that be like envisioning your your dream day? How that would go? Is yeah. that what you mean? Yeah, and and what we we actually talk about it as the like your your intentional day because a lot of times when you think of your dream day, you're thinking like vacation and all this stuff, which is fine. But like ideally, how would you want your day to be built? And then then you go one step further. How would those days compounded? What result would you pick up? Because I think majority of the people that we surround ourselves with, like they want to like they truly want to serve. They want to serve God. They want to serve other people. They want to serve their family well. And they know that one of the best ways to serve is to provide value and so you want to live a valuable life and so you you think from like a dream day is very much like consumption like i would have these kind of things versus like an intentional day like what does what would i intentionally do with those five areas time relationships skill sets resources uh, in your health and how would that really create your ideal scenario and so i think um really be creation focused because i hate the word retirement i think one of the concepts of retirement is to like be taken out of value. And so the constant deal is you might change what you do, but you should always be creating to the day that you die. You don't necessarily need to be creating for money, but you should always be creating value in your life. Caleb, are you one that has implemented like visualization practices, affirmation? Like how do you encourage people to really kind of get into this? I, I totally believe like if you can't think it, vision it, to your point, I mean, even yeah. if you don't know the direction or the target, what the target is, how do you know if you ever got there? Well, yeah. what about even thinking about it, affirming it, visualizing? T- tell me kind of what your yeah. practices are. Or- what I do is kind of, it sounds kind of crazy, but I encourage people to shoot their obituary video and be the main speaker at their funeral. Um, I think that does two things. Number one, it really helps you, like it really sobers you like immediately because it's like, wow, like you're seeing this video when I die. But it also reframes because whatever you're saying, like the people that you're praising, the the gratitude that you're sharing and like what you're like most sacred thing in your life you're sharing, if you actually do that, which most most people won't because it's really uncomfortable, but if you actually do that, you will live more intentionally. And like, that's the best way that I can get someone to live intentionally is like actually like be the main speaker at your funeral. What we also do when we serve people is like we help them build their family core values and build out a mission statement for their family. And a lot of times that shit, like that is a representation of like, what, what does a verb, like the mission statement and the core values, these are verbs of what our family and what our life should look like from a manifesting something. I, that's as far as I, I guess, I, I wouldn't say I have any other practices other than like ask, asking the question, what would you do if money wasn't an issue and why? But there's a lot of other great people. And I would be curious to hear your thoughts. Like, how do you stay grounded? Because I know that you have really good mental practices. Yeah, I think it's something I've, I've continued to experiment and play with. I mean, I definitely, especially, and I, and I found this 
especially early on when I was coming out of ministry and, and honestly, like everything needed to be changed, right? Like I absolutely spent a lot of time in affirmations. Like I'd actually record affirmations on my phone and then play them back to me. Part of the reason why I was so intentional about that early on is because I, I knew how broken things were. (laughs) Like I couldn't go create money. I couldn't go sell expensive things because of the way I thought about money, right? Or the way that I spent money, et cetera, or or was refused to spend money. So there were so many things broken early on that I was very intentional about visualizing stuff, dreaming it, uh, trying to just get comfortable thinking about money because I felt so bad about it. And that was something I, those affirmations, those visualizations, as weird as they were for me, it helped tremendously because it, I think helped reframe and rewire some of those things that I had been carrying up to that point in my life. I feel like I got a little bit lazy in that over the last year and a half, two years, and I'm kind of going back to writing down some clear 12, uh, 12 month goals, actually uh, writing down what I want. I think that's a really simple question that anybody, like, what do you want? And yeah. I, I've found, man, that like, I just need to write it down. Here's what I want. And then think about, hey, are my goals in line with what I want, right? And 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 so that that's been really key. And then a buddy of ours, Joey, he started. He, he sent me what he does, and he's got some pictures and stuff like actual visualization. And I'm trying to implement some of that, coming back to some of that. So it's been a journey for me, well, kind of off and on. Just to capitalize on what you said is like you get clear in what you want, and then it's just figuring out what what kind of cash flow do you need coming in to finance that. And again, like you start, you first of all, start thinking very scarcity minded. It's like, what do I need to survive? But the more you dream, you realize like the more cash flows coming in is just going to go right back out. You're going to be giving, you're going to be super generous and all these things. And so you you need to start, you need to start somewhere, but like, that's where the, like, we can only get clear. Like if you, if you, you, I can't, I can't help someone if they don't know what they want. Cause it's like, man, I can help you maximize cash flow and all these exciting things. But like, what is the end result? And so the most important thing is to start somewhere, but at the end of the day, we're not trying to retire. We're trying to finance your intentional life now and into the future. And that's, that's good. Like that's the goal. Not, not a defer delay for a someday. Point, man, I feel like there's so much anxiety around, around this because like it, it's such a moving target. And if you don't have something, you know, it's like, well, retirement, well, like that's so vague, right? Like how much do I need yep. for retirement? Like, that's why I hate the traditional approach. That's why I love talking to you about this idea of cash flow and having a number. Because if your goal is just retirement and financial freedom, like that, that target moves, right? Like three million yep. was enough maybe ten years ago. It's not enough today. You know, you need what? Maybe more like five to six. Well, I can guarantee in ten or fifteen years, five or six won't be enough, right? So, like, it's the anxiety of that of the not knowing. I think is what scares people a lot, and and so this is really why I want to get into this. And so your second framework, guys, and I don't know if we'll get through all these, I'll, I'll list them all out here. You have clarity, cash flow, cash flow ratio, consumption, savings, yep. invest, risk management, and legacy. And I want to get through as many of these as we can today. Yeah. Um, but I know that first one of, you know, I, I have a very, you know, I'm not as smart as you. So I just have three steps. And the first step for me is income. Like if you can't make income, you can't become wealthy. It's as simple as that. Like if you cannot yep. create cash flow, you will never be wealthy. So what yep. is your framework for cash flow? So the first step of clarity is getting clear about where we want to go, but really that's fluff. It, it's, it is. And so step number two is like, okay, the money framework starts, you have to create something and that's cash flow. And so think of money as like the the blood of an of a economic system. Like if you don't have cash flow, the the economic system will shut down overnight. Your business will shut down. If you're not if you don't have a flow of cash, things aren't getting paid for. So the the cash flow is just I think of it as as a tool to help finance what you're currently doing. And and making money is just essentially a IOU for creating value. So, so when we, when we think about cash flow, it's like, it's got to be created somewhere and it really, it can be created in almost two categories. You're from your time. So cash flow can be created from your time. This is insert your skill set. This might be insert your network. This might be insert your time. Um, and like, boom, you're making cash flow. And like a lot of people need to camp out there and figure out how to 
maximize their time, maximize their relationships, maximize their skill sets into making more money. But then there's also cash flow that's created by your resources, by what we call leverage. And this, these are things that are literally coming in and it's not based on your good looks, your skill sets, your time, and even your network. You need cash flow to be created. Cash flow is created with value. And you can really create value in two ways, your time and in that bucket or in your resources. But at the end of the day, we have to understand that cash flow is a function of value creation. And it's the person that provides value and amplifies that value that will have more cash flow. So if you look at someone that has more cash flow coming in, you should be asking, how are they creating more value than me? <laughs> or like, how is person A that's creating $100,000 worth of cash flow each month versus person B who's creating 10,000? Person A, trigger warning, is providing more value than person B. They're not even like they are literally creating 10x value. If you understand that cash flow is a scoreboard, isn't is an IOU for value creation. So I'll let you let you share your thoughts. But at the end of the day, cash flow is the most important financial metric. And it can really only be created through through time or resources, but it's a function of value creation. I, I totally agree that money is tied to value. That was one of the big money mindsets I, I had to kind of, that was one of my affirmations, like money flows to value. And, you know, it's why I think, that's why I love this show. It's why I'm not afraid to talk about money anymore and, and be open about talking to money because, you know, I did a podcast show not too long ago about how much money should a Christian make? And the answer is, well, it's, for me, it's the wrong question uh, because the answer, if I said, well, as much as you darn well can, you would say, well, that doesn't sound right. I was like, well, if the question was how much value should you bring to the world, you would say, well, as much as you darn well are 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 able to, or else you are not fully truly serving God in your full potential. And who would disagree with me on that? No one. So if you say, well, money's tied to value, then the answer is still the same, right? A, a you know, it's the A equals C type kind of thing. So I love that, and I do. I, I want to kind of I want to dive into something, but let me ask you about your your framework of cash flow ratio before we yep. get into something deeper, because you said some things there that I think have real practical application to our audience, but I want to understand kind of how cash flow and cash flow ratio work together. Yeah, yeah. so we understand that you need to make cash flow. Like cash flow is a function of value creation, money follows value. So we got that. So then the next step, and this is like really profound, when you have cash, and I'm looking around, I actually don't have any cash on me. When you have cash, it only is capable of doing two fundamental things. And I'm telling you, Ellis, this is like a game changer. When you have money, it's only capable of doing one of two things. It's either capable of being spent or what I call consume. Like it's your cost of living. And we'll break that down in a second. Or it can be saved for a future consumption. So it could be saved for a year. Some people call this retirement. Some people, maybe it'll be consumed by your children or your grandchildren, but at the at, it, someday it will be spent, it will be consumed. And so your money is only capable of literally saving, which is a verb of just setting aside and hopefully investing and multiplying, or it's, it's literally being consumed, which could be a function of taxes, lattes, paying for debt, paying for masterminds. This is a trigger warning, tithing, like... All that giving is actually a form of consumption because it's a cost of doing your life and it's a choice that you're making. Like I'm a generous person. Well, that's a cost of doing your life that goes into the consumption bucket. Whereas yeah. a lot of times, a lot of Christians are like, well, no, like giving is like sowing, it's investing. Correct. I'm just saying from an actual dollars and cents, like cash flow standpoint, it's going to finance a very generous life, but it's still like when you give a dollar, when you spend a dollar, when you pay the government a dollar, it's gone. It's gone forever. And and that's ultimately the cost of your life. So I know there's a lot there, but it's like create value and then ultimately know that there's only two fundamental things that our money can do after we create. And obviously there's infinite ways that we can spend money. There's infinite ways that we can invest our money, but those are the two categories. Yeah, really, really. So essentially it's now or future, right? I mean, that's the two categories, however you want to say it. It's like either it goes away now or, you know, or you're putting it aside for the future. Um, so, okay, that's helpful to know that. I want to go back a little bit back to the cash flow thing because, you know, you talk about you have your time, you have your resources. Like, are you looking at your time? Are you looking at your resources? And and I would just say this, that it's so interesting, not interesting. I, I mean, even me too, I, I think I've even seen this in the last couple of years of what I've invested in and how much I've put personally into like assets, like our real estate deals where I think I did that. So instead of kind of, I think I was going to, I don't want to come off too harsh. So let me just talk about what I've done. I think I prematurely to put too many, too much money into our own real estate deals. 
uh, because I and I was not at the or really and would say still not still not at the cash flow level that I want to be at to start investing. And I think and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. There's so much talk and conversation, especially as people are are even starting their career or maybe in the middle of their career, Caleb, and they're doing, you know, they're making less than $100,000 or maybe even depending yeah. on where you live, less than 120, 150. And we're starting, that's kind of big number. That'd be a nice salary. But I think it's still too early, depending on where you live in most scenarios. In most scenarios, $150,000 a year, I don't think we should be talking about investing yet. I think we should be talking about how do I take my resources and better leverage my time to make more income? What are your thoughts on that? Dude, I don't know if like, you got this thinking because of me or just our mutual friends. Cause it's like what you said is very controversial and I could not agree more that I'll make this extreme example. There is a young person who is literally making $20 an hour, super talented human being. And this person came to me and was asking about investing advice. And I looked at him and I said, you got to triple or quadruple your income. And, and then quadruple and it again. And then do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and then do it. And again, it's one of those. It's a. It, I, I, so I believe. So I believe that you are your greatest asset. And a lot of people are diversifying way too soon and diversifying their ability to create value. And they're not really going all in on the it factor that really makes all this thing all this thing possible. It's like, you're, you're, it's like, I see this all the time with business. Like you're crushing it in business and then you go invest in a bunch of other things that you don't understand that actually distract you. So you're making less in your business and okay. versus like doubling down on the thing that you actually know. And we call this your investor DNA and all this, all this good stuff. So I am a huge, huge fan of doubling down and maximizing you before you diversify and invest in other things. And it's the biggest mistake I make. I, I see people make in that are entrepreneurs is they they diversify too soon. Yeah. And they it's because Robert Kiyosaki and other people make have kind of made us obsessed with this concept of passive income, which is which is great. My question is if because you got to think about this from a framework standpoint, you have an input and then you create value and then you can amplify that value. Right. And my question is is have you maxi maximized the value equation? Right. And if not, then double down on that and only start diversifying and investing when you're like, man, I'm crushing it. And I actually have a problem of like, if I reinvested it, I can only join so many masterminds and so much education and all that stuff. So, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to then reinvest this money to leverage and create value. But like, if you're saying that the S&P 500 or even a syndication deal is going to get you more value than like, doubling down on the thing that you're uniquely good at you got to think through that then you're not valuable enough yet here so here, here's kind of how it came for me and, and i think this might help some folks just talk about and i just want to say one other thing it's it's i've never heard someone in in your position say this because it goes directly against their thing so i'm i'm actually very like that's why i think your voice and this podcast is so important is because so many people have agendas and like this message is threatening to so many people in my boat and in your boat, because it's essentially saying like, don't yeah, we don't want your money. Pitches. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, also just have realized over the last couple of years, there's so many more people that have a lot of money that can invest with me that like, when you're, you know, it's like, this is not even the group. Like I don't even let this group of folks invest with us anymore. Right. It's so like, you're, yeah. you're not at this threshold. Sorry. You actually, you need $200,000 for us to even have a conversation about investing. Um, but I think for me, man, and this is, this is, I think this will help a lot of people is that, you know, when I started, I think we all, as someone who's being prudent is thinking about the future. Like I want to make sure I have enough to take care of me, my family, et cetera, you know, especially as when I can't work as hard or whatever. And so it seems like the prudent thing to do to invest in assets because assets is how we ultimately build wealth, which I agree with. But what, I, what I've realized is that, you know what's actually more valuable when you need to make money than investing in assets is having profitable skills. Because if you can develop tried and true profitable skills, when things get tight, you really actually can't go to your assets because your assets are locked up. Like I can't just go... Like right now, if we need the money, I just can't go sell my real estate deals. 
I actually can't even go get a loan on those real estate deals because they're a syndication and so other people's are money. So like they're locked. But if I needed to go make more money, I do know how to go create great offers. I do know how to go sell, right? I do know how to go run Facebook ads. Why? Because I spent a lot of time over the last three years, hundreds of hours. I'm up at 5 a.m. this morning working on my webinar from 5 to 7 a.m. Uh, before my little girl got up, just die, like I'm talking about, I already have a profitable webinar, dude. I'm just getting better at it by watching other people. That's what I've realized is like the, I, I need to be spending more time, more money, more attention, not on the investable assets on building profitable skills, because that is way more reliable, uh, as time goes. And so it's like a mindset of like, I'm still doing the same thing. Like I still want to take care of my family. I just think most folks haven't and again like to your point more more stuff is about there about investing in assets i do think the conversation is changing i'm seeing a lot more at least in the entrepreneur community that that language like you are an asset yeah and you like the the, the first investment is you and as you grow and you become that investment vehicle that's kicking off cash flow okay now let's diversify but to your point most are diversifying way too early and your yep. potential is like your your what do I say your skill level is way too low to begin diversifying. Yep. And yep. honestly, I, so, talk about yeah. skill and time, just even your time, right, is not being maximized yep. either. So those are the yep. two things. There's two there are a lot of a lot of talking points here. I think the the if we zoom out, if we use an extreme example of health we would all agree that the person that's like creating all these things, but their health is garbage is like, man, like your best thing that you can be doing is you don't need more cash flow. You need to get healthy so you can enjoy your life. And so that's just an example of like your skill set is making sure that you don't um, kill yourself in the process of trying to get that quote unquote goal. But then the second thing is understanding the difference between cash flow creators versus assets. An asset is anything of value. So when you actually do a balance sheet, this is my accounting brain coming in. Like a balance sheet, you look at anything of value and you then you subtract from liabilities and you get net worth, which is great. Net worth. Ca- a cash flow creator can be an asset, like a real estate. Your syndication is an asset and it creates cash flow, which is great. Um, but where I would ask people is where where can you, cr- like where if you put $10,000, would it create the most cash flow? And like, if you think about it from an entrepreneur standpoint, like you put $10,000 in the market and let's say you get 10% rate of return, you're like, or you could put that money in, in education and literally get a raise. Like, so it's like when you start measuring it and this is the big problem that a lot of people have is they don't measure it. And that's where I think that's where I would encourage you is like, we can say you are your greatest asset, invest in yourself. That's also a message used to scam a lot of people because they're like, invest in yourself, but we need to ultimately measure. There needs to be accountability of like, okay, you invested in yourself. Now that should yield a greater cash flow than X, Y, or Z. Yeah, I agree up to a certain point though. Also, I I believe skills compound. Like I also think that like, I've invested in some stuff and I didn't get my ROI, but it was a piece that I needed to get to another piece, right? Like, it, you know, it'd be interesting is if you had, if you could use your IP on a balance sheet and like create like my ability to create offers, I yeah. value at 2 million bucks or well, I value so, so at- like, let's go put it together a webinar and see how much we can make in the first one. You know I mean? I think that's it. I, I think the scary thing about this too, man, um, and again, I'm just thinking like, this is my journey. And I also see how other people would struggle with this is like, and I'm 32 now, right? And, and over the last really year, I've really kind of, to be honest with you, stopped investing in long-term assets. Like majority of my money has gone into education, masterminds and our personal business. And I mean, I'm, I still feel like I got a lot of time. 32 like okay I'll, I'll keep doing this till 40 till we figure it out like my or but even that so even saying that 40 feel for me feels like oh I, I better start investing for the long term now or I'm gonna run out of time but I think that is another mindset too is like that that 35 40 mark starts pressing on people and they're like man I'm gonna run yep. out of time and the reality is how many people do we know bro that in their 40s and 50s they created that business that 100x yep. their wealth and it's like I think we get in this hurry mentality because that's what it's like. It's like being 32 and a woman, and you ain't, you know, you ain't married yet. People are starting to ask questions. You know, it's like it's the same thing. We kind of that it's that same pressure. It's it's yeah. not spoken, but it's there. And it's like, hey, 
still though, like the faster track to building wealth, in my opinion, is not, yeah, let me just, it's like, no, the skills, the skills, the skills, the network, the network, the network. And I don't want people to feel like they're running out of time because you're pressing 40 or you're pressing 50. Dude, I've still seen amazing businesses, multi, multi multi-millionaires be built in their 50s. If we're playing an eternal game, so if you're if you're a believer watching this or listening to this, it's like, dude, retirement is not biblical at all. And if we go back to let's let's take out the word money or cash flow and talk about value, pray to God, like, where can I provide the most value? If God is like, hey, put your money in the market because that is actually going to yield the most value for the kingdom, great. I'm telling you, if you start praying and thinking differently, you're just going to think through life differently. Yeah. It's like, who cares if you're not the typical, like, I don't think God wants us to be like, all right, I'm, I'm done working at a job that I hate. And now I'm just going to like spend down the money on myself and tra- like, I, I just hope, I just hope that's so not attractive, but yet there's trillions of dollars in the system called retirement. And it's literally a trap. It's like literally people are in prison and they don't even know they're in prison because they have freedom of choice. But like the whole system is not meant to like be great stewards. It's not meant to be like, I'm stewarding my time and money super well. All right. This is just because I think this would be a good clip on YouTube. You spent a lot of money in a mastermind this year. I know because I I know you did Um, uh, because I saw you there. Uh, you're young, dude. You don't, you're about, you know, you're thinking of your family and kids. Why do you spend so much? Like, well, how do you justify spending, you know, tens and tens of thousands of dollars in a mastermind? Yeah. Uh, for, for me, it's a, it's a function of a couple things. It's number one, I'm a huge relationship guy. And so I know that people like it's impossible to make money if it's not for other people, like you need humans to, to create value with. It's impossible to create value on by yourself on an Island. And so I think if someone has gone through the work of curating a room of people that that fill your soul, but also like are like it would be strategic from a standpoint of like relationships, because we're here because of relationships. We've we've met in multiple different rooms and it's been amazing to see like, hey, I've gone to this room and the result that has come from this room has been like ultimately more value, which means more cash flow. So at the at the end of the day, I would measure the same thing if you're looking at it from a cash flow perspective, whatever your decision, whether you go into coaching, whether you hire a team member, whether you could join a mastermind, whether you sponsor a stage, it's all the same input, essentially time and all these things. And then what is it resulting in? And, and for me, I, I've, I've just realized that um, I am a, a, a function of the time and people I spend time with. And so that's why I've, I've spent Lots of money in my uh, it. It's funny. What's the most you've ever spent for the shortest amount of time? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's the most money you ever spent? I I spent I spent twenty thousand dollars on a like you could say a day and a half consulting, and it's more than that, right? Because there's there's that relationship, but like the ultimate investment was we're we're doing we're we're doing twenty thousand dollars, and we spent a day and a half with a human who tweaked a couple things in our business and I could easily result in half a million dollars that came as a result of those things. And what, what did that guy teach you or that girl teach you? Their, their skill was, uh, so Garrett's a friend of mine now, but Garrett Gunderson built things like he built wealth factory, which is, uh, as a business model that I wanted to learn from. And he literally shared the system of how they use how they use stages, how they build workshops, how they built their coaching model and how they've scaled it to seven to eight figures. And so being able to come in, share what we want to accomplish. And then instead of trying to figure it out with the next five, six years, being saying like, this is what you need to do. Yeah. Um, we were in a place, we, I wasn't just me. I had our, our leadership team as well. We were able to be like, okay, we get it. And, and that ultimately being on the same page resulted, but it's like, it's tough. This is why it's gray because that same, like, I wouldn't necessarily recommend you to do that because we were really specific on like, this is what we want to learn. So we went to the person that had that knowledge that could, that, that day was super valuable, but it wasn't like a raw, raw fest. We, he, it was literally given the inputs that helped us get to where we want to go. Well, to my point, to prove our other points, specific knowledge, specific skill for a high valuable, uh, or a high, you know, a high profit venture. I mean, talk about Garrett as being someone who like the dude, 
can charge $20,000 for a day and a half. You know, multiply that if he did that, you know, he doesn't have to work every day if that's all he did. And so again, that's someone though who's developed specific knowledge, is built a specific skill, not applicable yep. to everyone, but applicable to those who, you know, to, to a niche and, you know, and what he's able to charge. And so to my point is, if you spent majority of the next 10 years building a skill and a specific knowledge, not investing in assets, but building 10 years, and then you could charge $20,000 a day, do you not think you would make more money the next 10 years from that specific skill and specific knowledge than you would from the compounding interest of the asset? And and like what you just said, that skill set relationships all compound meaning like your ability your ability today is only if you double down on it is only gonna you're like value like making half a million dollars might be tough today but five years from now if you continue to invest in yourself if making that like a lot of people don't even have half a million dollars at the end of their life dude like at the end of like their working years and I don't want to belittle anyone. Like, I trust me, please don't hear this. But I w worked at a bank. I saw over 300 people's financial plans. And I'm telling you, it's not good. And and it's like, there's no way that th this is going to actually be a good fit. And when you look at the statistics, people are worse off. Like, the amount of people that are relying on Social Security just tells you everything you need to know about our system. Like, it's not, it doesn't work. And so we need to start rethinking our thinking. And unfortunately, a lot of people are investing too early. And that's, there, there's a lot of clips here that I think will get people thinking. Your, your, your other, your next framework is consumption. You, you want to, you want to yep. go there? Yeah. Consumption is cost of doing life. And it's, uh, it's the cost of literally what you spend, the cost of paying taxes. And people are like, well, that taxes shouldn't be consumption. Well, if you didn't pay your taxes, you're going to jail. So it's the cost of doing your life. The cost of finance debt consumption is literally part of giving. Like I, I think of when I think of the two categories, let's say you make a hundred thousand dollars and you save 10,000, you're literally, it's costing you $90,000 to live your life. And so then we can factor that out of like now 90,000, but in the next 30 years, you're going to have to spend a lot more than 90,000 just to maintain that. And so that, that for me is like, I just, I look at how someone's living their life. And so I look at, there's really three things when you look at consumption that can move the needle in someone. Cause I'm looking at how to optimize. I don't want to tell you to give less or live differently. If that's truly aligning with what your intentional life is. I don't think, I don't believe in the skimping and say, like, I, I don't believe in that. It's like, figure out what, what, what intentional living looks like. And you might be spending money on things that aren't aligned with your values. A lot of people are subscriptions that literally suck your energy and value of creating value. It's like, maybe it's driving cars that you're literally just getting to impress people that you don't even care about. And so there might be things that when you audit, you're like, man, I'm not, this is not aligned with my values and intentional living. But then the other two categories are, are you overpaying on taxes? Because 90% of business owners are. So it's like, is there something that we can do to stop tipping the government and keep more of that money? And then the other thing is understanding debt and credit. I look at debt as a, look at it from a portfolio standpoint, less is like a pay off all your debt. It's like good debt versus bad debt. Good debt increases your net worth, increases cash flow, and reduces your risk. Bad debt does the exact opposite. And so we look at, we do those three things. Track your money and are you spending your money on what you value? Are you overpaying the government? And is your debt um, and credit, is it maximized to really help you now and in the future? For, for the sake of time here, I, I want to get into some of these next frameworks. Uh, so I'm not going to dive deep on that one. But let, let's get into, um, you have savings and invest. Yep. Talk, so, talk to me the difference of those two. Yeah, so money only does two things. It's either going to consumption, which is the cost of living, your choice of living your life. And then if it's not consumed, it's saved, which is a verb. But then once you save money, you invest. Investing is like essentially intentionally trying to multiply or steward your money. And and really there's three, when, when we think about investing, there's really four categories that you can invest in. Category number one is yourself. So if you're somebody who's like, I'm convicted of, I, I'm making a fraction of what I should, I should be investing my time and money into maximizing more income. I would say your investment is figuring out how you create more value with your time, skill sets, and relationships. So that's investment category number one. Investment category number two is business. Like a lot of people need to hire, like instead of me 
investing in the market, I might need to hire an assistant who could do certain things that can like triple our income. So it's like, sometimes people need to be investing in their business and investing in a who or technology or a mastermind that can move the needle and, and get multiple X of what their input is. So number two is investment. Number three is real estate. I actually think if for the person that is like maximize themselves, doesn't need to put money in, in business. I love real estate as an asset class. It appreciates, it creates cash flow. You can use leverage to buy it, which is almost no other asset class. Can you go to the bank and like easily get a loan to purchase things? Um, and then it also creates cash flow. Like it's and it and the, the demand is something that's always going to be there. Uh, AI is not going to be kicking people out of the homes kind of deal. Like people are still gonna look for shelter. And so I I like real estate as an asset class when when set up and used properly. And then the the fourth asset is the market. Like I, I do believe that there's so many people that have made good money understanding the market. And I don't think it's the first place that you should flock to, but it's there's trillions of dollars in it for a reason. And then I would say the fifth category, which is a bonus, is just alternative investing, which I think is great. And I've also seen lots of people lose money in investing in alternatives. And so I would just say like, again, like if you've maximized yourself, if you've maximized your income and you you want to do alternative investing, just make sure you do due diligence because there may be a need for higher due diligence in those alternative investments than you would like go putting your money in the market or even a real estate deal. How much do you recommend someone to save, right? So like in the sense of, yeah, just even a savings account. Do you believe that someone should have a savings account and then start investing? And how big is that? Actually, great, great question. I, I believe that before you invest, you should create an emergency fund. And um, what I do for myself is a year's worth of cost of living. So a year worth of consumption. And I do that because I just show it more powerfully and freely. So if you were to see, and we do that in our business as well. So if you look at my balance sheet, you're like, Caleb, you're an idiot. You have hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting like, why, what are you thinking? So if it and costs you $120,000 to cut, pay your mortgage, go out, all of that stuff, that's, I'm having that, I'm having that liquid. Yeah. I'm, and I, and, and you know me, like high I have savings, it in an overfunded savings, life insurance. Maybe. Yeah. High yield savings or life insurance. I, I, I have it in overfunded life insurance. That's, that's there. And then on top of that, I now then invest, but I want to make sure that I have a target reserve, an emergency fund. Um, and sometimes people choose. Some people are like I three months. Some people are six months. It's for me because I'm an entrepreneur and there's roller coasters. I I prefer with a mortgage, with a with a wife, with future kids, like I, I want to have a greater reserve. And that's just a choice that I'm intentionally making because I believe I'm my greatest asset and I just sleep better and show up more powerfully and more present on this podcast because I don't have to worry about next month's mortgage, no matter what the business is, like we're doing great now, but if we weren't, I wouldn't be like an so anxious. Into like, that, let's say you get to 80% of that. Then as you start to recover, that's the first thing you're investing back into. You're going to correct. Gonna get correct. That back up. Yeah. So, and that's, that's again, like it seems slow. It seems not fun and sexy, but I'm telling you, it's a lot of investors like Grant Cardone is cash is trash. And it's like, okay, I, I, I'm okay having some cash. Um, Again, we're not talking like, I don't think you should put all your money in cash, but it's like, I, I want a reserve. So we build a reserve and then anything up above that is an opportunity fund. And that's where you look at the five buckets of yourself, your business, real estate, the market or alternatives. Wow. So good. All right. You think we got time to finish the last two risk and legacy? Yeah. I mean, risk management is pretty simple. It's, it's manage the unknowns and risk is your, your chance of loss. And so really what you, what you want to manage against is current and future cash flow, And then you want to create an umbrella of your current assets that you have. So essentially it's like, if something happens to your ability to make money, whether you get hurt, whether you get sick, whether you die prematurely, you want to just make sure that if something were to happen to your ability to create value now and in the future, that that cash flow is is accounted for. And then anything that you currently have, whether it's your home, your cars, or anything, you just want to make sure that there's they're properly insured. And these are things that really cost pennies. But if you don't have that set up right, like I know some people that have didn't have health insurance and they had a helicopter ride. And it's like, okay, like they're alive, praise God. But it's like they have such a hole to dig themselves out of. And 
it's like that's an extreme example of like why you want to make sure that your risk management is just set up. And part of risk management is having an emergency fund. That's I don't know if you have any questions there. It's pretty straightforward. Insurance. Um, and I would just recommend you a, a, talk a to people that make sure is, your bases are covered. Yeah, a big part of that would be insurance is and I, I, it's interesting though that comes at the maybe tail end of your framework. I'm curious on why that wouldn't be maybe even before I don't know, like I mean, yeah, the why is that thing, towards yeah. the end? Well, it's a it's a seven part framework. It's not seven steps. It's not okay. like a seven, like a circle so, more than it is a, so, a line. Yeah. So for me, it's it's exactly like if we were to set in, in our meeting, and this is what our like head wealth coach talks about. He gets clear, and then he goes right into: Is there any like are you potentially bleeding in any area? And and for example, if someone didn't have health insurance or like or special like insuring their home, we're diving right into that before we go. We dive into your cash flow and all that stuff because that's like a that's like a red risk. So it's a seven part. It's not a seven step, and that's maybe something I should have um, clarified because, um, I don't think finance could be boiled down into do this, then this, then this, like there's, yeah. it's a way of thinking. And these are like categories that we need to be thinking. Caleb, wrap this up for me in terms of legacy. And then I want to talk about maybe there's even a place we can send folks. I think that x-ray might be a good idea. So if you can talk in yep. at the same time, but that's kind of what I was thinking. So let's finish this framework up for me. Yeah. You have one life. It's the sign behind my, my back. Um, live it well and that concept of a legacy just in full circles like what how how do you give generously like legacy is is not necessarily when you die one of our friends um scott uh donald he talks about inheritance over inheritance and it's like inheritance is in the values that you literally create and live out and so it's it's a lot of times like intentional living is kind of the same thing as in legacy it should be but it's like, it's just that encouragement to be like, okay, there's got to be more that I live than just myself. And it's that constant reminder of like, when we have more, we can give more. It goes back to value. It's like, it's hard to be give crazy value when you're not valuable. So the, one of the most valuable things you could do is be more valuable so you can create more value. And, and I think the legacy is this, like, it's not, don't wait till you die. You can live your legacy today in the values and, and, and in serving other people. And so that's that's that. I, I would say the call to action is um, if you email me at Caleb at betterwealth.com, um, we will connect you and hook you up with um, anything and everything. Like we have a wealth efficiency packet that we can give you. We have this thing called the financial x-ray that you can go through. Uh, we have a heart to like want to help you get clear in where you are and find your inefficiencies. And full disclosure, it we then make money in helping you implement uh, against your inefficiencies. So we'll like share with you where you're currently are, but then that's where like a lot of people are like, how do you make money and how do you work? It's like, we work with people because um, they want to have us help them figure out the gaps that they have in insurances and make sure that they maximize their cash flow and make sure that they have that holistic approach. Yeah. Guys, uh, highly recommend that. Um, highly recommend uh, reaching out to Caleb. You could go to betterwealth.com or like you said, if you want to uh, just to learn more, but if you're if you're serious about hey, I, a lot of this stuck out to me today. Ellis Hammond is not a financial advisor, okay? Um, Ellis Hammond uh, works with guys like Caleb who who are financial advisors, and so email him. Just put in the subject line Kingdom REI or KREI podcast if you want to get kind of the the speed ticket, right? If you just email Caleb and you know he doesn't know who you are, where you came from, you're not gonna you know that's gonna just go to the bottom of his inbox. So make sure you put care. We'll podcast. take care of you, like if. If you drop this show or let 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 us know that you're from this community, we'll take care of you. And uh, I say that sincerely. Yeah, yeah, dude, this was awesome, man. Um, I really feel like we we gained some ground in, in 45, 50 minutes, and I feel like we emphasized the right parts that need to be emphasized today. So uh, I'm grateful for you know for for what you're doing and legacy, uh, the legacy you're building. Any um, closing thoughts from you, Caleb? For you know, you're speaking to a, a community of kingdom real estate investors that you want to you want to leave with. Uh, don't don't forget the reason why you started. And uh, you have you have one life. Don't don't live. Don't live with it. Regrets um, at the end of your life. And I'm, I know this is this is a 27 year old preaching right now. So take this with a grain of salt. But I'm telling you, you're not going to regret taking risk and, and showing up powerfully. You you will regret those moments of selling out or playing it safe. So I'm not saying be irresponsible. I'm just saying like create create a life that you're 
kids and grandchildren are proud to say that they're part of your family. Since you went there, let me ask you one more question. I felt um, this, this really hit me powerfully. Erwin McManus, when I had some time to sit down with him at dinner that one night after his talk, he said, you know, most people plan for failure, but they don't plan for success. Because I was telling him some of the burdens I felt and some of the anxieties and stress I felt. And then his response was, well, you're successful and most people plan for failure, but they don't plan for success. And some of what you're feeling is you've had success and this is what comes with success. If, if you could kind of go back and, and not that you, you know, not to say that things would be different, but just would you change anything about your success or is there anything even just about when people become successful that you wish you would have known before you became a business owner and a thriving business and all of these responsibilities that you would tell yourself then, you know, knowing what you know now? So it, it's, it's funny because the fact that we're in the same rooms together is like 99% of people would be like, wow, we're crushing it. And I don't naturally look at my business and my life as like, wow, like I, I am very humble in the fact of like, wow, I have a lot to learn and a lot to grow in. So just know that as I answer this, like I, I feel like more the student than ever, like the person, the mentor on stage giving this advice. I, I just would get, um, I've been lazy in a lot of areas as it relates to expectations on marketing on teams on like really putting ourselves out there and that that um i've been i've been i would say weak and have not showed up powerfully in ways of like expectations and leading in that way i've almost been the leader that wanted to be liked or i value being liked more than respected and what i'm looking back right now is like okay someone that's being liked and that's that's your currency it's like not a good long-term solution like you're just not like good luck what does it mean to be like a person of like be a leader that's respected and doing the hard thing having those hard conversations but doing it for the right reasons and i would say that i've been talented enough and we've 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 done enough good to get us to where we are but as i look back i'm like okay the person that I need to become and and live is the person that needs to like literally put to death this concept of wanting to be liked and really step into being the leader and entrepreneur that's respected by my peers, my family, and the marketplace. But that doesn't mean that everyone's going to necessarily love me. Yeah, that's good. Guys, if you enjoyed the show as much as I did, I, we don't ask you for, for much except to share this episode. And if you haven't already, I looked at them at 196 reviews, Caleb. I'm four from 200. And so if you just want to do a good deed today and you're saying, man, I just want to do something nice for someone today, go and leave me a written five-star review and help us get to 200 reviews today. That would mean a lot. Guys, I'm so grateful that we do this show for you. I wish you the absolute best blessings. Caleb, so grateful for you. Betterwealth.com. Email Caleb. I'll put his uh, email in the show notes. But Caleb, what is it one more time? Hey, Caleb, my first name at betterwealth.com. Caleb with a C at betterwealth.com. Grateful for you, brother. See you next week, everybody. Hey, just because the show's over doesn't mean the journey is. Listen, if you are a faith-driven real estate professional or investor, then you'll want to go to the kingdomrei.com to learn about our mastermind. If you're interested in investing alongside me in alternative investments like multifamily apartment complexes, then head to ellishammond.com to learn more about that. Cheers.